Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. It is a football Friday, less than two weeks to the NFL draft. Appreciate you early streamers, those of you guys who jump in right at the top, which appreciate you all, but uh, specifically you guys who get out early to join Mac and Mac, John McMullen and Jody McDonald here to talk Eagles football for the next two hours. Yeah, we're mocking our life away, looking for a sunny day. That's all we can do leading up to the draft and we're going to give this another shot. Matt Manicharian, who has been out with us in previous years, uh, interesting uh, guy to have on leading up to the draft because uh, his company, Sports Info Systems, tries to marry the analytics with the actual production on the field and the scouting eye. Gives you a little bit of a different look. Uh, so uh, Matt was supposed to join us on Wednesday. Some miscommunications on the time. Uh, I just texted him. He said he's got his link. He should be joining us in less than 20 minutes. So that should be fun. And then a little later, Rob Motti, our pal from the Associated Press, formerly here in Philadelphia and now National Associated <clears throat> Press guy is going to jump in. We haven't had Motti uh, in over a month, which we don't usually let that happen. We, we try and get him up every two or three weeks because he's just that good. Uh, so we've got two good guests coming your way. So you want to say streamed in for the next two hours uh, for uh, the Mac and Mac guys. All right, Johnny Mac, whose mock did you check on yesterday? I'm sure you saw <laughs> 8, 10, 12, 22 mock drafts. Was there anyone that uh, you specifically went looking for when you saw it? You said, ooh. That's either interesting because hadn't thought of it, or it, it makes some sense, or that's just completely friggin' ridiculous. Uh, well, I'm going to surprise you. I saw exactly zero. No mock mocks. Yesterday. You didn't see one new mock not, yesterday. Not one mock uh, yesterday. And, you know, 
If it doesn't how, how come can, across, how can you not doing what what you're because doing? Because I don't. I one. I don't like. I don't like to be uh, better by other people's. Okay, I, I get that. I get that. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that. So if something crosses uh, my timeline on on social media or something, I might click on it if I notice it. Uh, but I don't go looking for them. Um, you know, when you get to the last week of the draft, I'll check out certain people. So I'll check out Peter's, for instance, Peter King, because Peter's so plugged in uh, with certain organizations. Um, you know, to me, he's he's valuable. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't go looking for my drafts. I, I I'm the opposite. I run the other way. Uh, I I do. I got to admit, guilty as charged. And I'm old enough, and I think you're damn close to me, so you're close to old enough to remember a time when it was Mel Kuyper uh, and Paul Zimmerman from Sports Illustrated. You're you're the SI guy on this show, uh, but Paul Zimmerman was many years ago. He was uh, the main guy before Peter King was the main guy for Sports Illustrated. Peter, of course, now since moved on to NBC, but that was about it. And our lads, I remember our lads was our, early, our, yeah, Dan early Schott, in the mock game. Yeah. So yeah. you had like three guys before Todd McShay ever arrived at ESPN and the 97 other media outlets that now have two or three guys doing mocks uh, leading up to the draft. They used to be like three guys. Uh, you take it back to the 90s, they were like three guys. And you had to have their information because, ooh, if Mel Kuyper says so, it could really happen. Yeah. Until the Colts general manager called him out on TV and said, that guy has no idea what the hell he's talking about. Uh, now you have hundreds, and I mean hundreds, to choose from. And yeah, I got to admit, I, I check them all. And I, I do take them through my own mental filter. And say, You know, I'm going to say I, I checked Eric's yesterday, Eric Edholm, because he was on the show so early. I checked out his. I forgot about that okay. early. Uh, so you did early say, well, but we day. talked to Eric. So we had, yeah. we had a clue as to what was already in Eric's yeah. mock draft. But uh, he does a good job for the NFL.com uh, these days. So, yeah, we're going to have guys over the next two weeks leading up to the draft. Uh, guys who put out mocks, guys who have inside info, guys who are well-opinionated and the like. And I got to ask you this, John. You said you didn't check out many. I did yesterday. What I'm seeing, and I'm almost kind of surprised by this, is that there are, I don't want to say a lot, but enough people that think that Jalen Carter is going to end up as a Philadelphia Eagle. One or two had the Eagles actually trading up a spot or two to get him, and the rest had him Falling down to the Eagles at number 10. I know you've said it would be the easiest pick that Howie Roseman has made since he's become the general manager. If he passes all the Eagles uh, security work that they put into him ahead of time, which I understand your, your point of view, and I think you're dead on right, but what's going to make the Eagles be the first team? Because there's going to be, after you get past whoever takes a quarterback, in the first however many picks, nine picks before the Eagles come up at 10, if they stay at 10, what's going to be the difference that the Eagles will say, all right, yeah, th this is not a big enough risk for us to be able to pass on the talent and make the other teams who are drafting between the quarterback picks and the Eagles say, yeah, we can't take a chance on this guy because I don't think anyone doubts the fact that his talent says he should be a top one, two, three. Um, uh, the, the first, uh, 
reason I would give you is that nobody has more job security than Howie Roseman. That's um, true. Good so point. A, a lot of, of GMs can't do certain things that Howie can do. Um, and, you know, that's a luxury. And Howie, you know, was asked that by our buddy Jimmy Kemsky uh, a while ago. And he claimed he doesn't think about it that way, but it is that way. Uh, and there are GMs in this league, I always say, have to GM for their job. So they can't think long term. They can't think about taking chances. They got to win right now. They got to do this. They got to do that. And it makes their job more difficult. And it's like you're on a, 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 a hamster wheel. Um, and, you know, until organizations figure out that, 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 you know, structure is better than the opposite and keep changing people and keep changing people, you're going to have hiccups. So if you're, you know, you've got to be as an owner, you got to be, you got to be confident in yourself that you hire the right guy and give that guy an opportunity. And that means more than one or two years. And that means even if he misses on a top 10 pick, um, you know, if there's consistent misses, sure, you have to go in a different direction, but there's too much upheaval. And the, the NFL even tried to help these teams and, you know, had a symposium uh, saying, you know, you, you probably shouldn't fire these coaches so quickly, fire these GMs so quickly. But, you know, what's when, incredible. When was that? How did I know not know about oh, that? Oh, yeah, that it, 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 it was over the past year. I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah, they, they, they had a symposium sort of, you know, they do this stuff all the time. Howie Roseman talked to the owners at the owners meetings about the Eagles and how they do things. Uh, these kind of things happen all the time. But so many teams, it's it's so difficult because it's such a public-facing industry. And you get criticism like our show and everybody else's show. And you get this incredible criticism in the moment. And it's so difficult to be patient because everybody wants, you know, results now, now, now even more so probably with players like young quarterbacks. They're so impatient with young quarterbacks. Um, you know, it's really difficult to stay the course. And Jeffrey Lurie, you know, there are numerous times people have called for Howie Roseman's job. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of people when he came back, didn't want him back. There's a lot of people who won't admit it now, but after the Super Bowl rise and then the decline, they wanted him out. You know, no, keep Doug, fire Howie, fire them both, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and Jeffrey Lurie, you know, how many how many GMs in this league do you know? I'm sure there's one, but I can't think of one offhand. Some in the old days when guys were around. But in the modern environment, how many GMs do you know that get to hire three different head coaches, get to, in that process? I mean – it just doesn't work that way in this league. And, you know, even though people look at Philadelphia and they hire their coaches, they hire their front office people, they're missing the biggest point of all. And that's the, the continuity um, at sort of, obviously you're going to have continuity at ownership. And that is either you have a good owner, you have a bad owner, Daniel Snyder, hopefully, you know, Washington's finally turning the corner. There's not much you can do if you have a bad owner. 
you're always going to have continuity and ownership, but it's, you know, people should look at continuity more when it comes to GMs and guys running the team. Even more so than having fired three coaches. How many GMs had the big chair, gave up the big chair, oh, never had in absentia for a year, and then came back and recaptured the big chair? That just doesn't happen. So that tells you the relationship between Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman. So let me ask you this. This pick, Howie Roseman, uh, they're sitting there on draft night. We know Jeff Lurie will be in the room and, uh, I, I got to believe they'll have the conversation ahead of time. They're not going to have it while uh, team eight is on the clock and no. Eagles are sitting there at 10. So how he will have gone to Jeff Laurie in advance said, listen, if circumstances play themselves out beyond our control, but sure enough, we're sitting there in the draft and we've got a chance to draft Jalen Carter. How big a pitch does how we have to make? Does he just say, listen, if this kid comes down, we'd like to take him? Or does he have to sell Jeff Lurie on it? Because you know, I know, and everybody knows they're not taking Jalen Carter without Jeff Lurie putting some kind yeah. of stamp of approval on it. How how much of it has to be a sales job? How much of it has to be just, here's what I believe? How much of it is uh, how we say, hey, listen, I'm the GM, I'm making this pick. I don't think that's the case i think how he's smarter than that but how much of this is going to be having to get the stamp of approval from jeff laurie and him being on board with it and uh not questioning how he would be well hey it's your pick you do what you want but no full well we're we're we we are under scrutiny by taking this young man how's that conversation go between howie and laurie yeah, I think it's as simple as it gets. I think it's a, uh, you know, Dom, Dom DeSandro says there's no major issues. We want to take the kid if he's there. Yes or no. I think it's that simple. I don't think there's any sale job. I don't think there's anything of that nature. He's um, going to put it on Dom? Yeah. Wow, well, that, that's a little harsh, shall we? He well, passed the yeah. puck there. Dom did all his work. He gave him the thumbs up. So we're going to take him if he's there. It, wow. it, it, you don't know how close Dom is to Jeffrey Lurie. I mean, uh, people don't realize how important Dom is to that organization and how high up Dom is in that organization. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, it's his job to, to do all the background checks and all, just like the medical people. I mean, you know, if you have a medical issue, you're not going to go to Howie and say, oh, you know, use Jay Ajayi as an example. Uh, you know, he's going to last three or four years. Uh, oh, thanks, Howie. What the what the hell do you know about uh, knee, degenerative knee conditions? No, you ask the doctor. And, and, and the doctors give you uh, the information. Same thing with the background checks. Howie doesn't know state police and 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 fbi agents and, and, and you know that's dom's job and he's the one who does all that work and jeffrey Lurie trusts them how he trusts them and you know if they recommend to jeffrey Lurie, and here's the thing where how he has an advantage if they say yeah the kid's fine we should keep him on the board he's gonna say Fine. He's proven in the past he'll give people second chances. He's, you know, very high profile situations. If they go the opposite direction, say, now there's a lot of issues going on with this kid, they'll take him off. 
you know, Jeff, Jeffrey will listen to um, Dom and Howie in that situation. And he'll, if, if they want him, they'll get him if he's a 10. Uh, that's, and that's why people like Adam Schefter are so confident that the floor is 10. That's, I, and, and forget about Adam, Drew Rosenhaus. That's why he's so confident and say, you don't have to go visit other teams. Don't worry about it. Um, you're not falling out of 10. It's kind of the reason why. The question is, will he get to 10? That's a question we'll put to our first guest. That and many others, because he does a great job mixing analytics with a scouting eye and analyzing the NFL draft. Uh, coming up next, Matt Manicharian from Sports Info Systems going to join us here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Mag and Mac guys, Jody McDonald, John McMullen here with you on Birds 365, and we are joined by Matt Manicharian, the Senior VP 
football and analytics for Sports Information Solutions. We've had Matt on the show previously. He always does a great job when he jumps in today. All right, we're going to put him right to the test right away. Uh, you can't look up analytically the issues that Jalen Carter's had off the field. That's kind of something you got to do informational work and investigations on. So this is where you have to mesh your two worlds, scouting and info, with the numbers that a player produced while they were in college. What are your sources saying about Jalen Carter? How much is it going to be held against him for his character and off-field issues? Is there a chance that perhaps the most talented player in the draft actually falls down to the Eagles at 10? Uh, well, is there a chance? Yeah, there's a chance, but I, I don't think it's likely. You're talking about a player here. He's the second best player on our board behind only Will Anderson um, right up there. And really, when you talk about this, I think two things. One, Laramie Tunsil. I think teams learned their lesson that he dropped too far because of concerns that that really had nothing to do with what kind of an NFL player that he was going to be. So I, I see a little bit of that here. The other thing I see is sort of uh, and Sue and other great defensive line prospects. If you've ever been around defensive linemen, you know they're not always the most normal dudes that you've been around <laughs> in the world. And so I don't think you, you can look for your, your you know, Boy Scout leaders at this position necessarily. Um, now, that's not to say that you discount personal character. That's obviously very important. Football character, work ethic, all that kind of stuff. But for me, I would, I would say that this player is just too talented. He's too good. You're talking about the best player on Georgia's defense from two years ago when they won the national championship and last year when they won the national championship. I think that when, when teams dig here, he's just too good a prospect to let – um, sort of this sort of off-field concern uh, knocking too far down the board. By the way, Matt, uh, Indomitian Sue uh, was here. He came here in November, late in the season with the Eagles. I was all prepared. I'm going, oh, this guy stomps on people's heads. I was, yeah. I was all prepared, prepared for the biggest heel in WWE. Nicest guy in the world. Not, now, he's 35 now. You know, he's you know, he's into finances. He's, he's giving people advice. It's just so different from his reputation. Now, I don't know how he was at 22. You know, that's a lot different. But yeah, it's almost like matured. predicting how 22-year-olds are going to develop in their, yeah, in their exactly. personal lives. It's difficult. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 he, he's changed so much. He's nothing like his reputation. But it, it was just interesting. I was prepared for it. Um, but, you know, when we talk about the Eagles and, you know, it's unlikely, I'm with you, that Jalen Carter's going to fall that far. Um, and if they don't get Jalen Carter, I think they're likely to go on the edge. And, and, and knowing the Eagles, their, their thought process, and this really rings with Hassan Reddick, you not only have to win as a pass rusher in the modern game, you got to win quickly. You got to win quickly. You got to win in that 2.5 second window because the quarterbacks are getting the football out so quickly. Um, who fits that? That should be at, at, at number 10 area. Is it Nolan Smith? Is it, is it Tyler Van Ness? Who, who, who fits that description best? So I'm going to, I'm going to answer really specifically for you here sorry. because you <laughs> talked about quick pressure rate. So I went over on, the Sports Info Solutions NFL Draft website, and I pulled up our not just our pressure rate leaderboard, but our quick pressure rate leaderboard, which is specifically what you're talking about, who creates yeah. pressure quickly. 
And uh, of the guys that you mentioned, uh, or the guys that are sort of in contention there, Tyree Wilson is the guy that would be the highest on our list in terms of his ability to create quick pressure. Uh, he's second overall in terms of that stat um, of, of all edge players at the position. I think he's somebody that you would look at there. In terms of our scouting grades, Nolan Smith would be the guy that we would that we would recommend there. Uh, Vaness is interesting. He's very interesting. I don't really see him as a top 10 caliber prospect, though. I, I don't see him as somebody that um, is well-rounded enough in his game at this time to sort of warrant that high pick, although he is a bit more of the upside, like when you talk about the Richardson and the Levis-type prospects. Let me throw you one more name on the edge, and that's Miles Murphy from Clemson. And the reason why I like Murphy for the Eagles and the the other two guys, Smith and, and Van Ness, could certainly uh, become as good players or maybe even better players with other teams. But if for the next two years, Hassan Reddick's going to be here, do you want an undersized defensive end? Wouldn't you want a bigger guy? Uh, that that would be the way that I would try and build the defense. We've got one NASCAR speed guy the other side. You want a guy who can actually hold the edge and uh, bring a little size to the table, and that's why I like Miles Murphy. How big a difference between the two guys you just mentioned and Murphy in your gradings and rankings? They're right around the same grade. They're right at that solid starting level grade, probably not an every year Pro Bowl type player, but somebody who could come in and get you five or 10 sacks each year. And I think you're absolutely right when you talk about Murphy being more. When we when, when I was with the New Orleans Saints, we used to call it a left defensive end prospect versus a right defensive end prospect. Yeah. Base you left like, end, the old school base left end, yeah. Yeah, a little, a little bit more of that type of player. And I think you get that with Murphy. You get great hand use. You get great motor. You just he needs, he needs just a little bit more sort of refinement. He needs a pass rush plan. And in order to really be a more effective player sort of statistically, but uh, he's definitely in the mix right there in terms of those guys. Hey, uh, Matt, I've asked all the scouts we've talked to sort of in this process, um, how, how many legitimate, whatever you want to call them, tier one prospects do you have in this draft, blue chip prospects? And in that group, how many are the quarter, are, are quarterbacks? Because that's important for the Eagles. If there's not a lot, but we know the poor quarterbacks get pushed up the board, that means the real blue chip players fall a little bit back and closer to 10. Yeah. So the way that we've always constructed our draft scale at Sports Info Solutions, it's very similar to the way the team does it. And when we talk about our blue chip players, we're talking about those that rate above the 7.0 grading line. And we've got three players in this year's draft, none of them quarterbacks, that are true, true blue chippers. That's not as many as we might normally get in a typical year, but it's also not like you have 10 blue chippers coming out every year. So for us, that's Will Anderson, the defensive end from Alabama. That's Jalen Carter. And that's Bijan Robinson, the running back, who, you know, don't be shocked if he's in contention around the time the Eagles are picking too, even though that would be uh, sort of very unHowie-like. Yeah, uh, extremely unHowie-like. Extremely. So we see that many in terms of what, you know, um, sort of where we get the next cut off in our scale. We've got 31, actually, the exact number of players, coincidentally enough, that are in the first round. We've got 31 players that we see as ideal starters by their second season. So that's sort of the next the next cutoff for us. Now, is that just a coincidence? Because uh, yourself and others and like uh, a true first round grade. Most guys tell you. Every year, we don't have 31 true first-round grades. Yeah. Uh, just because we know there'll be 31 first-round picks doesn't mean that they're that many players. Some players are going to be second-round players masquerading as a first-rounder who are going to get selected in the first round. 
do you just hard cut it at 31 or did you do your uh, analytics and your uh, scouting and combine them together and come up with that list for 31? Was it? Yeah, just yeah that's, that's the scouting and analytics. That's totally coincidental. In fact, we don't even, we don't believe in round based grading around here. We sort of look at things, you know, that was old school scouting. I think a lot more sort of Patriots way age scouting is what we would call role-based grading as opposed to round-based grading. That's why I said to you, these guys are blue chippers. These guys are ideal starters by their second season because that's really how we quantify it. That's why I don't believe in saying this guy's a first rounder or this guy's a fifth rounder because you could look at the same player and you could just have a different opinion for what a first round running back is versus what a fifth round running back is. And all of a sudden that would change the player's grade. So we do this role-based grading and really – um, you know, these starting level players, they might be first rounders some year. They might be second rounders some year. Um, it completely depends on the depth of the class. And this is a bit of a thinner class, uh, especially at the top. Um, as far as the class as a whole, Matt, uh, what positions are, are the deepest and, and what positions are, are sort of the lightest uh, in this class? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And uh, for that, there's a pretty cool tool that I would recommend to everybody over on the 3013.com. That's your guys' old friend, Joe Banner, along with Mike Tannenbaum, their website. If you go over there, you can check out something. We've got a draft board there that actually shows you the board the way the teams look at it, horizontally as well as vertically. So you got all the positions lined up across. And there you can see really easily, um, okay, we've got – Uh, According to their board, they see it as five blue chippers kind of across the board, but they see very little depth uh, on the high end at defensive tackle. They see a ton of depth at receiver. Uh, The offensive line on the high end thins out really quickly. Um, A ton of corners in this draft that they see that they think are are really valuable that could be in contention there in the first round. Um, So the the way that you kind of can visualize that is really nice especially if you have in mind i don't i never am a proponent of need based drafting but if you're only interested in looking at certain positions and seeing hey if we go defensive tackle early will there still be corners left for us when we pick again that's mm-hmm. that's kind of a cool tool to be able to do that all right do you threw out the name that is most discussed here in philadelphia over the last Week two, three, four, six, eight. It's a Super Bowl ended, and that's B. John Robinson. Uh, with the tenth pick in the draft, Eagles are just almost never in a position to draft a running back this high. They've got a bonus pick because they made the good trade with New Orleans last year. You don't go to the Super Bowl get the tenth pick of the draft the next year. But Howie Roseman is not a guy who drafts running backs in the first round, let alone with a top ten pick. But how worthy is this guy? He's one of your three blue chip players. Should he be viewed to a different light than just a running back in the first round? Yeah, it's funny. It's funny that you asked that because in one sense, yeah, this guy's a great player. Um, I think he's as good a running back prospect as we've seen come out since Josh Jacobs, um, who was another blue chip running back prospect for us. Um, and he's been all that. And then some in the NFL, you know, anybody who's running their fantasy league, go get Bijan Robinson, wherever he ends up, uh, <laughs> he's going to be productive. But, uh, you know, in terms of reality football, as I like to call it, I, I really wouldn't take a running back that high. Um, oh, you're in, from the school of Howie. In, yeah. in, 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 that's in, a good in, school to be. That's a good <laughs> school to be. Howie does things a certain way where he builds up front and it seems to be working pretty well for the Eagles. So it seems like, oh, we're stacked on the offensive line. We're stacked on the defensive line. 
There's a reason. It's because he keeps investing in it over and over again, even when it seems like it's it's not a position of need. So my opinion on doing it, if you wanted to go Bijan at number 10, this is a really good player. So I'm not going to categorically say you're dumb if you want to pick a running back that high. This is a great player. There's a reason why his grade is what it is. At the same time, it wouldn't be for me. I would really try to be disciplined, and I would always be looking to, to build at harder-to-fill positions than I would be at a running back, at an off-ball linebacker. And I think generally that's that's how the roster is constructed. That's how, how we thunk things. And then you look at the same time, they drafted an off-ball linebacker high last year who sat on the bench most of the year uh, in N'Kobe Dean. So it's not that you can't have any of these rules where you never, ever, ever. At the end of the day, you're drafting football players and you got to get the best 53. Yeah, Matt, I, you know, one of the things and one of the uh, great things that uh, Sports Info Solutions you guys do and fans can take a look at it is uh, the personnel sort of data you guys break down. You know, when the Eagles are in 11, 12, 13, you know, when they use motion, which is rare, you know, you, you see how many empty sets they use. So it's counterintuitive, but I've been throwing this out. I want to get your thoughts on it. You know, I think having Jalen Hurts at quarterback makes it less important to have a big time running back because he's the one threatening the backside. He makes running backs better. And if you think about how much they use those empty sets and, you know, they're trying to spread people out. And if you have a great running back, you're almost, I don't want to say forced, but as a play caller, you say, well, I got to get the ball to B. John Robinson. I got to turn around and hand the football off to B. John Robinson. And that takes away some of what gives the Eagles the advantage, gives the opposing defense all the headaches. Thoughts, am I crazy or, or is that? You're not crazy at all. If you look at Baltimore Ravens, since they've had Lamar Jackson, they've been a really good running team whenever Lamar Jackson's in the game partially because he's a good runner and partially because he makes those running backs, whoever it is back there, he makes their job so much easier. So I think you're absolutely right on that point. The, the part about Bijan Robinson that I think might make him a little bit of a sort of exception, uh, sort of special here is he is a good enough player as a receiver that you can sort of have him and you can be in a no running back personnel group by just having him line up at receiver. Um, he's going to be a better slot than most slots out there in terms of the way he can threaten the defense. And, uh, you know, what the Eagles do is not just uh, what Hurts presents, but also good luck tackling A.J. Brown if you want to if you want to <laughs> do some things right where you're where you're overcommitting to Hurts in the run game. So it's by spreading you out. It's by having these difficult to tackle people all over the field. I think uh, he would fit in really well with that. Like I said, it's a little bit of a luxury piece. It's a little bit of a. Uh, you know, buying a Maserati out here, which maybe the Eagles are in a position to do. Um, but to your point, what really makes them good? It's the Jalen Carters of the world. It's the Skaronskis of the world. It's it's the meat and potatoes. And, and uh, I, you know, based on their history, I'd expect more of that. We did our own internal mock draft yesterday. The Eagles ended up trading up and trading back into the first round in that mock draft. You know, Howie was on something else yesterday for us. But uh, so it would surprise me at this point. All right. Since we've already acknowledged running back, not a place the Eagles put a lot of value. Linebacker, not a place the Eagles put a lot of value. I want to ask you about a linebacker anyway. To hell with it. Um, 
and uh, off ball linebacker. I just told you I'm a Miles Murphy fan. If they're at 10 and if a couple of the other guys were off on the edge, off the board by then. Trenton Simpson, linebacker, Clemson, teammate of Miles, oftentimes played behind him. Clemson wasn't a very good team this past year, but mostly because DJ Uyunglele didn't turn out to be the quarterback that I thought he was going to be. But they had a dynamite defense again this year, and these were two good uh, stalwart pieces of that. One of the better defenses, probably second best by George in the country. What kind of a player is Simpson going to be on the NFL level? Where do you think he falls in the draft? Uh, third, do you think he get up in the second round? Will he be there in the third round? Uh, can he drop to day number three? Uh, give us your scouting report on uh, Trent Simpson from uh, Clemson. Yep, Trent Simpson is our top-ranked off-ball linebacker, but he's just number 39 overall in terms of uh, the big board. So, so, so you think he's a second-round pick? We see him as more of a second-round player than a first-round player. Um, that said, I think you look at a, a, a major upside type player, right? You're looking at a third year sophomore, not the most productive guy in terms of what he is, but he's just a dynamic athlete. He's got speed for days. He can cover, he can pass rush. So you look at the versatility, you look at sort of the upside there might take him a year to get to the point where he's really fitting in, but that, that would be, um, sort of within, within the idea of how the Eagles do like to draft. They're usually drafting for a year ahead of now as opposed to drafting for for whatever the roster need appears to be today. So I could see him fitting in there. I wouldn't want to reach too high because I don't see him as, as a sort of ideal run player. And if you remember early in the last season, the Eagles started to really uh, struggle with their run defense, and that was looking like the one thing that they had to shore up. So I don't know if this is the type of player that um, in that regard, but, I mean, he can pass rush, he can cover, he can play on third down, and that's obviously got huge value in modern NFL. Uh, Matt, I want to delve into your uh, sort of wheelhouse, and that's where scouting matches with with analytics. And you know, there's all of a sudden been this. You know, you know, we have all this data from the combine, and there were certain traits that sort of predicted success at edge rusher. You know, the six five, two hundred seventy five, long guys. Now you have all these outliers in recent years. Maybe it starts at number one overall with Bryce Young, lack of size, you know, um, Kalija Kansi at defensive tackle. You know, that that's not supposed to be a defensive tackle at, at his size. But you have these – we have one of them here, Devontae Smith. You know, he's not supposed to be able to do, but he's, he's, he's tremendous. How, how much have things changed? How much do people look outside the box and say, all right, He's not typically what you look for at this particular position, but he's so special. How, how do you sort of figure that out? It's one of the harder things with scouting is, is being able to kind of unentangle. Is this guy an exception? Is he that special because of something that he's bringing to the table to overcome? Or is this, um, you know, Mickey Loomis, uh, the GM of the Saints, used to always say to us, if we draft a bunch of exceptions, we end up with a team full of exceptions, and then we don't beat anybody. Um, so it's something that you always really do have to be careful for. I think that Bryce Young is, as a prospect, he's got a special quality about him where, honestly, you throw on the film, the height doesn't bother me one bit because he's basically playing behind NFL offensive linemen already there in terms of the size and everything like that. What you worry about is just him staying healthy. Um, and that's that's the big question mark there. Um, 
you're always looking to make sure that you're not drafting exceptions. You want to have the what's the height, weight, speed that we're looking for? What what is the the range of critical factors and positional factors? What skills do we need to see on the film as a college player to be able to project project to the NFL? You always want to be staying within your evaluation system and understanding uh, with with a, a little bit more uh, rigor of not going after the exceptions. However, when you do see a player that lacks the prototypical size or lacks the prototypical speed or arm length or whatever else it is for the position, you really have to go back and say, okay, I can acknowledge that that's a limitation. Does he have the other skills that um, overcome that, that really um, are not just special amongst college players, but it's going to be something where it's special amongst NFL players and it, and it can elevate him past that. So uh, bad answer, but it's a very difficult thing to do, but you, you, you want to really understand both what's playing in the NFL and acknowledge the, the limitations. Um, look, and, and you also want to make sure that you're paying attention to if the, what plays in the NFL changes, right? If you start to get a bunch of shorter quarterbacks and they're all producing pretty well, then maybe you got to change what you're looking for to account for that properly. So, um, there is a little bit of a feedback loop as well. All right, Matt, very uh, specific Eagle question. Uh, as of right now, they've got two first-round picks, a second, a third, nothing in the fourth, fifth, or sixth, and then two sevenths. We assume that will change by the time uh, the draft unfolds because how he loves to move and shake and move up and move back and everything else. So I'm talking about just a day three guy. Doesn't have to be all the way to round seven, so maybe the Eagles get a four or five or six somewhere along the line. Give me a wide receiver, because I think wide receiver three for the Eagles is something they need to address. Quez Watkins did not have a very good year, uh, and I think they need an upgrade there, and I haven't been able to do it through free agency just yet, and the pickings are getting slim there. So the draft is probably going to be a place they're going to look to do that. A day three draft guy, certainly slot only, because they've got their two outside wide receivers, so a guy who is already a slot receiver, He's got to be missing something. That's why he's day three, not day one or day two, but has a strength. There's something that he's good at. There's something that he might not be good. Might be very good at catching the ball. Can't really run. Might be like Quez, take the top off the defense, but catching it, which is kind of important for a wide receiver, uh, doesn't always get the job done. Give me a day three wide receiver, slot wide receiver, that could fill in a role for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, um, it's always hard for me to predict uh, who's going to be available because, like I said before, we don't care about what other people think of these guys. We just rank them how we see them. But but down the line, we actually do see a whole bunch of receivers that we look at in that third wide receiver range that you could kind of pick from depending on who's available. Uh, a couple names that jump out just when I look at the draft board quick. Uh, Jaden Reed out of Michigan State. Um, he's somebody who's really like your prototypical slot type guy. Uh, quickness, toughness. He can sub in as a returner for you as well. Um, player that can get in and out, doesn't have the ideal size, not going to take the top off the defense, but uh, kind of the quicker than fast guy that you might see in there. Um, Tyler Scott from Cincinnati, another guy that we could look at in that sort of range. He is more of the take the top off the defense. Again, undersized, not somebody ideally who's going to be playing on the outside for you, but somebody who can be a field stretcher for you. Um from, from the slot position there. So a couple of guys there that you might look at uh, depending on who's available. 
Um, Matt, from a scouting perspective, one thing I've noticed about the Eagles, at least with the players they've talked about, and they're one of the many teams that sort of uses uh, the the big Fangio sort of inspired scheme, multiple fronts, you know, a lot of mixed zone coverage uh, on the back end. Um, but they've looked at these sort of interior defensive linemen, these gap and a half players, uh, they like to call them, um, you know, four eye uh, can play a little bit of that. They have Jordan Davis to play the nose. Um, they brought in a bunch of those guys. Um, I wouldn't say in that top 31 you were talking about, but that next tier, however deep that tier is, you got any names there? Because I'm, pretty sure the Eagles are going to come out of day two with a defensive tackle. One guy I could see in that range that I think is uh, exciting is uh, Brian Bressey uh, out of Clemson. He's somebody I don't necessarily see him as a first rounder just because I don't think he's developed. I don't think he's put it all together there yet, but he's a giant. He's somebody that has all the, the, the size and all the ability, you know, everything you need to become that sort of gap and a half player like you're talking about. He's somebody just the exciting physical tools really get you there. So that's that's a name that that pops out for me in terms of uh, probably not a first round level talent, but day two, if you can get him there, he'd be somebody that I'd look at. All right, let me go follow up on John's question. Go to back to day one, but staying at defensive tackle. Jay Mack has said he'd almost be tempted at number 10 to think about calling out Calais Gancy's name. Uh, that he's yeah, that good. I, I, I've soured on that, but Have I said you, it you moved off that McMullen? Yeah, I, I didn't even know on. that. I'm on the Nolan Smith train now, but yeah, no, uh, Kalijah Cansey. I, I don't want to, I don't like to compare anybody to Aaron Donald, Matt, but uh, the, the comparisons are obvious because they played at the same school, they're both underside. I think it's tremendously unfair, but I, I do. It, like nobody can block the kid. I know, we, but then I said, "Can he be a three-down player? Can he play on first and second down?" Um, where are you on Kalaja? Yeah, no doubt about it. He's number seventeen overall on our board, and I see him like you do. I see him as an every-down player. I see him as somebody who all he does is just knives through and is and is difficult to block on the interior there. So um, the, the Aaron Donald comps. I mean, I was scouting the Northeast when Aaron Donald came out. And like everybody else, I wasn't high enough on Aaron Donald in terms of the grade. I don't think that you could have given in retrospect, you couldn't give him I'll a take grade. It high credit. I said he was the best player of the draft, Matt. There you I go. got you I got it. I got it on air too. That's you had it better my, than me. I also I, wanted Ryan Leap over Pate Maddox, so I don't get get yeah, anything right. I would have had I would have had uh, Khalil Mack ahead of Aaron Donald that year coming out of out of the northeast, but I, I think Aaron Donald was the right answer, but I think we both would have done okay there. Yeah. Um, but um yeah, the, the similarities are, are right there. Whenever you see a player that really reminds you of another player, you have to remember that they are separate people, that just yeah. because they look very similar as prospects, that it could pan out either way. Aaron Donald, because he was a bit undersized, wasn't the first pick in the draft, wasn't even a top 10 pick, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so he was uh, 12, 13, maybe 13. Yeah, somewhere in the mid-teens there. So um, I think you, you kind of – need to make sure that we don't expect that this player becomes Aaron Donald because that's probably unrealistic. And at the same time, I think that the the comps are there for a reason. And this is an every down starting level, good player in the NFL. Uh, Nothing embarrassing about taking him at number 10. All right. I've gotten out a couple of best case scenario for the Eagles in the draft. 
Let me go down. Not not a terrible one, but a little bit of a worst case scenario. Eagles do what they do at the top ten. Maybe they trade down. Maybe they trade. Maybe they get just their guy that they want at ten. They're coming up on number thirty. Howie is talking about potentially trading out. Team wants that guaranteed fifth year deal. Eagles drop back somewhere into the second. But sure enough, Brian Branch is still on the board, and we're up to pick twenty six or twenty seven. And I think we. We might not need to trade. Brian Branch might be sitting there for us. A guy who's absolutely value at the 30th pick plays a position they could use an upgrade. Alabama guy. Eagles like drafting SEC players. A lot of things point to it. And sure enough, Branch comes off the board at 27 or 28. So the Eagles either do their trade down thing. But at some point, they need to address safety. If they don't get Brian Branch with their second first round pick in uh, this draft, what other safeties are guys who you can expect to be able to step in, maybe not start or star in year number one, but contribute year number one and be a starter by year number two? Yeah, we actually have four other guys that we see that could become uh, starters by their second season in this draft, uh, all kind of bunched up in that range, kind of uh, from 26 to 31 on our big board. Uh, so those names, Jamie Robinson out of Florida State, Jay. Uh, Jair Brown out of Penn State, Jordan Battle from Alabama, and Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M. Those guys are all right there. So as much as uh, Brian Branch is exciting, he's the best safety prospect in this year's draft. And even I mentioned we did our mock draft yesterday. The Eagles traded back into the first round to get up to number 13 to draft him because they uh, – 13. They wow. Yeah, they, they, they couldn't wait. I would tend to say try to be patient here. If you can get him later in the first round, safeties are one of these positions where um, teams aren't looking to spend first round picks on safeties if they can help it. So you could see a scenario where where he lasts. You try to be patient there. But if not, you've got a bunch of good players here that, that could become solid starters for you. Good to hear. Uh, at Matt Mano, follow uh, Matt on Twitter, uh, does a tremendous job, the Senior Vice President of Football and Data Analytics. Impressive title, by the way, Matt. Uh, <laughs> SportsInfoSolutions.com, uh, scouted for the Saints, uh, the Browns, um, does a tremendous job. I, I'm, You know, the Eagles are, obviously aren't looking for a quarterback, but, you know, because they're at 30 – and there's only 31 first-round picks this year. That's always a, a prime spot where people maybe want to go up and get that fifth-year option on on a quarterback. One prospect that's really interesting to me through this whole process has been Hendon Hooker because of a number of reasons. I think he's really good. But, you know, with this COVID stuff, we have these older prospects. He's older, so he's 25 already. Um He's got the ACL. Where where do you have Hendon Hooker in, in, in this process? Yeah, so we have him slotted just behind the, the top four QBs that everybody likes. Uh, he, you know, like like many people, he's the fifth quarterback on our board. Um, I think he does end up going in the first round just uh, from being around different people um, that, are, that are pretty well connected. There are enough people that really like him that I think he ends up going in the first round there. That said, for me, um, I wouldn't be excited about him. Uh, the age is something that you mentioned. That's obviously there. The injury doesn't bother me too much. Uh, we've seen people recover from injuries before. But uh, I never saw Hooker as a very accurate quarterback. I think that the offense was a lot of smoke and mirrors that made his job pretty easy. 
in terms of what they were able to do offensively. And I'm not confident that he um, has the accuracy, has the ability to run uh, an offense the way that, that we would need in the NFL. So I'm a little bit more buyer beware on, on Hendon Hooker than, than probably most people that you'll talk to there. Um, you know, you talk to Mike Tannenbaum. He absolutely loves him. He thinks he's the best quarterback in the draft. I can't, I can't fathom that after having watched the film on these guys. But, um, you know, that's why uh, quarterbacks, you know, you got to get somebody that, that not just is a good player, but somebody who fits what you're looking for in the position. I would have, you know, been a big whiff on Jalen Hurts. So maybe, maybe you should take somebody uh, <laughs> else's opinion on that. Oh, I, pre- I, I love when people admit, I admit, um, I've got far more mistakes than hits. Everybody makes mistakes. And, you know, a lot of people pretend they don't make mistakes. So I automatically give people more credibility when they admit their mistakes yeah I, you guys I what, playing for the Eagles, it helps too right you get a yeah, good plan there that's true uh we we try and cop to our uh, misguided missiles but uh we will take victory laps when we get things right um i i gotta tell you about ask about a player who i just don't understand there, there's a specific reason for my question keon white georgia tech where do you have him ranked positionally and what's your overall grade slash ranking of Keon White from Georgia Tech? Yep. Keon White is our fifth edge rusher on the board. He's 29 overall. Um, so we like him pretty good. Um, right now, when you look at him again, a player that needs a little bit more of the development, he's a little bit stiff on the outside and he doesn't bring a whole lot of repertoire to his pass rush arsenal, but uh, you look at a guy with good size and the first step explosion. Uh, we mentioned Aaron Donald a second ago. His best skill is that first step explosion. You see that with Keon White. And, you know, a lot of times for defensive linemen, if you start there with with uh, sort of the – if you're a physical freak and you can get off the ball quickly, we can work with you. Um, and so that's that's why I see Keon White uh, as a, another guy that's an ideal starter as a sort of edge position there and very realistically could be available for you. The reason why I ask is I was kind of surprised that I know it really means nothing, but I do factor it into my own thinking because if someone should know what NFL teams are thinking, it should be the NFL, right? Keon White got invited to the draft. Uh, Smith didn't. My guy Murphy didn't. Van S didn't. Uh, he was a defensive edge guy other than, Alab- than uh, the kid from Alabama, Anderson, who got invited to the draft. Only 17 players got invited, and he got invited. Uh, are we missing the boat? You've got him in the first round. you got him in your top 30, so that's pretty damn good. But I'm seeing other places that don't even have him in the top 10 edge rushers. What does the NFL know about this young man? I think, I think that the NFL talks to the teams and – um, they're getting an idea that they think he'll go in the first round. Obviously, not everybody that they invite will go in the first round. They try to not invite too many people in recent years so that they don't have the people that are just waiting past. The oh, green gotta room. love them sitting in the green room. That's yeah, what that's it's what all that, about. Is see the nah, pressure yeah. on their face, see the yeah. sweat building up, see them looking at the phone rather than paying attention because they're goddamn pissed off because they haven't been picked yet. That's what we watch for. <laughs> so maybe that's the vision here. They're just trying to make some good TV for you. Okay, <laughs> he has a good guy to fill that role. All right, that makes sense. Uh, Maddie, if people want your information on sports information uh, systems, how can they best go about it as we are now within two weeks to the draft? Yep, check out SIS at sportsinfosolutions.com. We've got the NFL draft site, a lot of the stats and, and reports that we have on these players. They're all up there. 
You can catch us on Twitter at sportsinfo underscore SIS. And, uh, yeah, follow, follow along on the draft uh, because it is going to be an exciting draft night and we'll be, we'll be updating all along. And one last thing, if you're doing work for the 33rd team this year, whatever Paul Domwich says, go the other way. Uh, <laughs> Dom a good friend to the show, so we like making fun of him too. Like uh, guys sweating, not getting picked in the first round if we can. Pick yeah, we, we had, I'm trying to get Mike back on the show. We had Mike, you mentioned Mike Tannenbaum. We had him on the show. I'm going to rip him over that Hendon Hooker's the best quarterback. I like I like Hendon Hooker, but he's not the best. I mean, come on, Mike. What are you looking at? Hey, he's he's zagged when people have zigged before. And that's uh, true. So. You got I, I I honestly, Jody asked me like what mock drafts I look at, and I don't I try not to look at mock drafts because I don't want it to cloud my view. Maybe I'm crazy. Oh, see, and I'm the exact opposite. I want to look at them all. I see a- anyone I can find and compare one to the other and say, oh, these guys got around. These guys crazy. Oh, that's what I do. And yours is one of the best. And that's why we have you on. Matt, Ver- thank you very much for joining us. We'll probably try and get you on after the draft is over and done with so you can review and tell us how, how we got it right. Uh, because it seems like you and Howie are cut from the same cloth. Uh, so looking forward to getting you on after the draft. Uh, appreciate a couple of minutes of your time here today. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Check them out at Sports Information Systems. Matt Manicharian here with us. Solutions. SportsInfoSolutions.com. What'd I say? Systems. Systems. Yeah. My bad. Solutions. Sport Information Solutions. Uh, Matt Manicharian here with us on Birds 365. All right, Jody Mac, Jody Mac, come back. And I do want to follow up with you about the uh, whole who gets invited to the draft and doesn't get invited to the draft. He's right. They've cut down. They used to have more guys. They've cut down on the number of guys. And it probably is because... Yeah, it can get a little embarrassing when a guy. I remember. Uh, oh shoot! Now I'm, I'm losing his name. Uh, the Notre Dame quarterback, the turned announcer these days. Uh, Anselm kid, Brady Bra- Quinn. Brady Quinn. Oh my God, was he sweating because they they invited him when up. Did, and, when did Brady go? I forget. He was a first round pick. Late though, and they were talking about him being a top ten pick. I think. Yeah, was, I missed on him. I thought he was going to be good. 28, 29, Uh, somewhere thereabouts. I do remember Aaron Rodgers. I remember sweating. He was ticked off because Alex Smith went one. It was going to be either Alex Smith or Aaron Rodgers. Alex was number uh, one. And here we go way down in the 20s waiting for Aaron Rodgers to come off the board. I remember him not being happy. Maybe maybe that's why he's doing a ayahuasca. He's never recovered from his draft day uh, status as uh, all the way down. Brady won 22, by the way. Brady 22? Yeah, it went, you know, I'll tell you, you know, obviously you bring up Aaron Rodgers. You know, it's it's good to go to a good organization. I mean, he's so talented, he would have been a great player. But, you know, I in a lot of ways, look, if you're supposed to go number one, you're going to be upset if you fall down to 22, whatever he was, 21, 22, uh, 23, I think. Obviously, you get upset, but man, that worked out well for him. I mean, that is a good organization. Um, that is a structured organization like the Eagles. You know, it's good to go to a good, no matter where you go, it's good to go to a good organization. Yeah, but uh, when you're sitting there in the green room that day, that's not where you think oh, you're yeah. not going. I know. Oh, but I could fall to a good organization. It's no, why the hell haven't they taken me so far? That's all you're worried about. Uh, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, you got your Mac and Mac guys, Birds 365, back in just a sec. 
Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with Young Birds 365. Rob Motti from the Associated Press, uh, lead national football league writer for the AP, going to jump in with us coming up in less than 20 minutes from now. I uh, Before we went to break last question, I asked Matt Manicharian was about uh, the defensive end from Georgia Tech, who the NFL invited, one of only 17 players to get invited to the draft, and you know who most of them are quarterbacks and Carter and B. John Robinson and, and the uh, guys that we've talked about in the top half of the NFL draft. And that name kind of jumped off the page because uh, the guys that we've been talking about as the potential Eagle selections, edge guys who would uh, be there if uh, uh, Wilson and um, a kid from Alabama are both off the board uh man they got some high-ranking edge guys you talk about importance of position 
Um, we use pro football focus as a reference all the time. Uh, a lot of times John and I agree with it. Sometimes we disagree with it. It's not the Bible, but it's a pretty good source of uh, information and uh, rankings and ratings and the like. They don't have this kid from Georgia Tech in the top 10 edge pass rushers. Not even top 10 at one position. They don't have them. But then again, Marlon's little brother, Tuli uh, Tuli Pelotu. Tuli, yeah. Tuli's a good player. Right. Yeah. Is the 10th ranked edge player. And they've got him number 42 on their big board. So of the top 42 players in the draft, they think there's going to be 10 edge guys taken. You talk about positional importance. The NFL relies heavily on guys coming off the edge and getting to the quarterback, as you said earlier, not just getting to the quarterback, getting to the quarterback quickly. You got to be able to do it in the blink of an eye these days. Yeah. That's a lot That's a lot of, of teams taking edge pass rushers if 10 are off the board in the first 42 picks, Johnny Mac. Yeah, that's the cliche around the league now is uh, you either get the quarterback or you get to the quarterback. That's how you win, one or the other. If you don't have the quarterback, you damn well better get to the quarterback. Uh, and it's great when you have both, like the Eagles had last season, but they came up just short, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the things about Keon White, I mean, a lot of people have him graded as a defensive tackle, number one. Maybe that impacts things. Same thing with Thule. You brought up uh, Marlon's brother, Marlon Tui Pelotu. A lot of people have him uh, as a defense. He played more defensive tackle in college than he played, but a lot of people project him to be an edge rusher. So you have that sort of, and sometimes it's good. You can do both like Brandon Graham, and that's even better uh, for long-term success in the NFL. Um, so sometimes that clouds uh, people's gradings. But, you know, the NFL tends to get a better feel for things, and there are players that the NFL likes more than the media likes or the draft Knicks or whatever. And, you know, maybe he's that guy. Maybe maybe they got a clear indication that um, teams in the NFL like him better than most people think, and they don't always get it right. As you right. said, we had this uh, we've had this green room type of stuff in the past, um, but usually when guys fall out, it's for other reasons. You know, whether it's off the field, injury related. Um, Nicobe Dean's an example. He didn't show up. Was he invited last year? I don't remember. I don't, I don't think watch he was invited, it. So. But if he had been invited, I wouldn't have bat batted an eye. Yeah, he, he most people thought he'd round. be a, a first round pick. Yep. Um, and he ended up going to the third round mainly because of injury issues. Um. Uh, so it happens, but. If you get the invite, they got a clear indication that they think you're going to be pretty highly drafted. And I did double check uh, with Pro Football Focus to see if they considered White as a defensive tackle. If they did, they didn't put him in the top 10 defensive tackles either. So I got just, it jumped out at me because. Uh, I had not on any of the mocks that I had been seeing, having him as seeing him as a first round pick. And I did go specifically to pro football focus because they ranked the players at each position. Uh, and his name was nowhere to be found. So we'll see exactly. Our buddy, uh, our buddy, uh, 
Rick Saratella had him early in the process because I got Rick's list. First round? Uh, uh, he had him at defensive tackle. Now, this is one of his early lists. I just keep it on my desk because to, to look at the list. Early on, hmm. he had him. Ranked as what number defensive tackle? Number five. And again, yeah, this that, that, I, I that's, printed that's this. That's not going to get you into the first round. I printed this at, on February 28th, so I'm sure it's uh, – I'm looking at the date. So I'm sure it's changed since then. Um, but, yeah, at the time he had him as a second-round pick, um, the fifth defensive tackle. And he's undersized. He'd be undersized. You know, he's 280. So, you know, maybe he's one of those guys who can play inside and outside. I don't know a ton about him. I haven't done a ton of work on Keon White because his name hasn't name hasn't come up with the Eagles. Um, I've looked at uh, Tui uh, Tuli Tui Peloto a little bit more, and he's yeah he's he's a defensive tackle that a lot of people project edge, and he played some edge, so he could do both uh, as well. All right, John, I want to put the draft aside for just five minutes, promise. And then we'll get back to the draft. We got Rob Marty uh, joining us coming up in, in less than 15 minutes from now. Um, the Eagles signing of free agents, the uh, lottery tickets that the Eagles have taken flyers on during this offseason. Uh, we know that uh, they're putting X amount of dollars aside to get the Jalen Hurts contract done. That's why they haven't been aggressive in going out and signing guys with resumes uh, to replace guys that they lost on the defensive side who had resumes uh, added to those resumes last year as pretty damn good players. And we know what guys we're referring to linebacker safeties uh, and a pretty big defensive tackle who got the most money on the open market this off season. And the Eagles haven't, indulged a lot of money to replace those guys. So I want to ask you a question about the uh, safety net. Uh, you can call them uh, draft proofing guys. I, again, uh, semantical debate. It's more like a safety net for me. It doesn't draft proof anything. Uh, you, you got a body there, but it doesn't mean you do, you shouldn't be looking to get better in the draft at a specific position, but the free agent defensive signings of Philadelphia Eagles have had, that they've signed just to one-year contracts, either right at the veteran minimum or maybe slightly above, but certainly not major investments and not not all guaranteed money under a million dollars for guaranteed money. Here are the guys who I put on the list. Uh, Street at defensive tackle, uh, Morrow at linebacker, the two safeties, Evans and Edmonds, and we'll even put Greedy Williams, even though we know he's going to be a backup uh, behind the two starting cornerbacks of the Eagles. Out of those five that they've added on the defensive side, Johnny Mack, I'm telling you that one of them will be Kaiser White, even though they made less money because they actually paid Kaiser a little bit to come in and be the other linebacker. Yeah, he got, he got way more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but a one-year deal came in, got the job done, uh, and then departed and went his own separate way thereafter. And one of these guys is going to be Jaquaski Tart, that uh, he may come in with a little uh, a pomp and circumstance and was a starter elsewhere and came in, and despite uh, neither John McMone or Jody McDonald liking him, some of our streamers liking him, 
he did not make the Philadelphia Eagles. And by the way, did he ever land with another team during the year? This no, position? no. I, I think Jaworski is still out there waiting for that call uh, to get a shot to join a National Football League team. But uh, the key being, didn't make the team, didn't go anywhere, so got no issues with the Eagles moving away from him. Out of the five defensive ends they had who got one-year contracts, which one has got the best chance to be Kaiser White, step in, start, have a pretty damn good year, and which one has got the best chance to be Jaworski Tart? Uh, by September, we won't be uh, kicking his name around. It's, he won't be here in Philadelphia. Um, the, the 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 best Kaiser White, and it's the same position as is is Nicholas Morrow, ma- mainly because there's opportunity, as you mentioned. Like Greedy Williams isn't going to play. You know, Contavious Street is going to be a backup if he makes the team. Um, Nicholas Morrow, as of right now, if they had to play a game today, and thank God they don't have to play a game today, he's a starting linebacker. He's Kaiser White. He's he's literally filling that role, and they don't have anybody else to fill that role unless you're really excited about Sean Bradley or Christian Ellis. Um, so he's got the best opportunity. Interesting, he got the least amount of money, too, of that group. Um, as far as Jaquaski Tart, I think Terrell Edmonds is a good player, but I think um, Justin Evans is a better fit for what the Eagles want to do. You're still playing the fit game, huh? The better uh, fit over the better player. That... Because fit is a big deal with this scheme and this philosophy. And I don't get it. And I don't get the fit. So, I mean, you know, you, if you're pounding a square peg in the round hole, it ain't going in, Jody. I know that. Um, and if you got him playing cover too, you're not going to look good. So, I think Justin Evans has a chance to be a bigger impact than... Terrell Edmonds, if he stays healthy, and that's a big question mark. He missed three stinking seasons, but he did play 15 games last year. So he, he, he showed perhaps he was over the hump. Now I will also say, look, I think they should draft branch if he's there late first round, early second round and be done with it all and have, that's a perfect fit for what you want to do. Um, but you know, the draft is going to be a big part of it as well. But if you ask me today, that would be my thoughts. Um, I, I know where you're coming from. We've been talking about since they signed both of the two safeties to minimal contracts. Evans, uh, a little bit more for uh, the non-fit safety than the fit safety. He, and I said this the day that he was signed, and I'm going to cling to it. And maybe it's wishful thinking on my part. We we know that the system that they're well, I shouldn't say that. We think that the system that they're going to run this year on defense is going to be very similar to the one that they've run the last couple of years. But it is Sean Desai, and it's not Jonathan Gannon. We know that Gannon was a fit the system kind of guy. He really worked hard and how he did him a solid by going out and acquiring the type of players who fit exactly what he wanted to do on defense. 
maybe this side's going to be a little bit different. And maybe he's going to be a little bit more flexible. And maybe he isn't going to be as stringent as Jonathan Gannon was, that here's the defense we play and we have to find the exact type of players who play that type of defense. Maybe this side will be a little bit more open-minded. And maybe he has got the flexibility built within his system to have different type of players and ask them to do different things. That's the only reason why I'm not as uh, as, as stringent as you well, are. On the I, I would say the here's here's why because the head coach told me it's going to be the same because Sean Desai when he was a chance when he had a chance to be a defensive coordinator played the same scheme in Chicago uh, because but do you think all Fangio defenses are created exactly the same? No, because different. It's the same thing as I said with with uh, Shane Steichen and, and Nick Sirianni. It's different because people are different. It's different in the moments, and that's why I I just broke my own rule. If you remember, I was going to say philosophy. The philosophy isn't changing. People are different. You you're different than me. I'm different than you. Even if we have the same plan, it's going to look a little bit different because we're not the same people. Same as Shane Steichen versus Nick Sirianni. Same offense looked a little bit different, arguably better with Shane, but you know, a lot of reasons would go into that. Um, so yeah, I mean, as I said, third and 13, you know, people might like it more. Maybe he is a little bit more aggressive, but the philosophy isn't changing. Uh, it isn't changing. Um, and again, the head coach has said it. Um, and I don't think, Sean Desai is going to walk in the door and say, you know what? I don't want to play this defense. I kind of wish he did, but I don't think he's going to. Um, and so that's number one. And then the second part is uh, I, I I don't necessarily agree. See, I think it was turned on its head. Like a lot of people thought, Jonathan Gannon changed schemes from year one to year two. No, he didn't. How he got him? How he got him better pieces to fit his scheme? Yeah. So you know he couldn't play a lot of fifty fronts last year because he didn't have the personnel to do it. Not last year, the year before. Um, and he did things a little bit differently because guess what? You can't play like Hassan Reddick's on the field when it's Gerard Avery. Mm-hmm. You can't play. Um, the way he wanted to play, if if Jordan Davis and Linball Joseph aren't on the roster and you're forcing Javon Hargrave to play nose tackle, um, you can't play the same way. So he was different in year one, not as successful, but he was different in year one than year two. And yet, if Sean decides only option that safety is – Terrell Edmonds, because he's so much better as a football player than Justin Evans, which I don't know if he is or isn't, then he's going to play Terrell Edmonds. But, you know, it's going to be, there's going to be problems. Like when Gennard Avery was out there, there's going to be problems because you're going to be playing him out of position and you're going to be asking him to do things that he doesn't do that well. And unfortunately, safety is a 100% position, typically. Um, so it will be a bigger issue at safety than it was at for Gennard Avery. 
And when you say 100%, if uh, people didn't pick up on what you meant, you mean they don't... They don't they, leave the field. They, they, you're out there on the field. You're yeah. out there on the field. They're not pulling you off for it. Uh, and yeah, either I'm a bigger Edmonds fan than you are, or I'm less of a uh, fan of uh, the, the other possibility that they have. Yeah, I think he's going to play the better football player, and and he'll make it work within his system. Uh, we shall see. It's one of the intriguing things for the Eagles camp when it opens up, unless, of course, they get Brian Branch, and then both of the guys get to – one of them will be gone, and one of them will be sitting on the bench behind Brian Branch if they get him in the first round. He's John McBall, and I'm Jody McDonald. We're hoping to talk to Rob Marty from the Associated Press, the Marty Man, scheduled to join us next here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Here on Birds 365 with Mac and Mac. Oh, it's nice to see that smiling face. 
Yeah, he's living down in Florida. He's going to be a Philly guy for the rest of his life. Don't kid yourself. Rob Mighty joins us here on Birds 365. How you been, Mighty Man? What's up, guys? I, I just came back from Philly, actually. I was uh, mm-hmm. there for a couple of days, went out and uh, did an, a nice uh, event with Brandon Graham from the Eagles. Uh, awesome dude. We went to a couple of high schools and spoke to some students, gave them some encouragement and inspiration. So uh, it was a long, I guess it was Wednesday. I lost track of days. It was a long Wednesday, but here I am back, back where I <laughs> In Florida and un- under the sun, but hey, I brought some some heat with me up north, so that was pretty yeah. Cool. yeah. You man. brought us some nice weather, so we appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I saw that, Rob. I saw you were out with uh, Brandon Parkersburg Point. I guess where's that? Uh, uh, it's up in uh, it's at Glen, PA. I can't even pronounce it. Octorera High School, uh, Coatesville oh, nice. High School. You're probably more familiar with, with Coatesville. No, Coatesville. Um, yeah. Beautiful campuses and um, ni- nice ride out. Anytime you drive out there and you're, you're seeing people chopping down trees and uh, you got horses and you got yeah. buggies, you know you're out in the wilderness somewhere. Yeah. You nice know, to I'm, get serene. serene I'm, a, I'm a New York City kid. I used to play in the CHSAA in New York. There was no such thing as a high school campus. It was a, a building sandwiched between other buildings next to it. There was no campus involved in high schools when I was growing up. Uh, I hear you. <laughs> uh, glad to see you got out with uh, BG. Great stuff. All right. I want to ask you a question that has nothing to do with the draft. We surely want to ask about the draft, but you are Mr. NFL. Are, is the team in our nation's capital sold yet? Because there are conflicting reports that, yes, Joshua Harris and his group have acquired the former Redkin, then the football team, then the commanders from Dan Snyder. He's on his way out the door. And there are other reports that the deal is not a done deal yet. What are your sources telling you? We, we It's a 99.9% Snyder's out. But is this thing going to get done? Is, is it actually done? And are the reports that it's not done yet inaccurate? Great question, Jody. So uh, our terminology in, in my story and, and my colleague out in Washington, Stephen Wino, is agreed in principle. So there's an agreement in place, right? But when you have a $6 billion transaction, it's not a handshake deal. Any of these yeah. things aren't. They're, they're, you got to get the language down. You got to get the contracts. You got to get all the details down. So it has not yet been signed and formally presented to the NFL. So while there is an agreement in principle and they're working towards getting the, the ink uh, uh, on, on, the, on the paper and presenting it to the NFL before it goes through. And then there's a lengthy process that the league goes through to yeah. approve these deals. Um, it's, it's not 100 percent done. Could something happen? Could they hit a snag? Could someone come in and say, hey, yo, wait up, Dan. Uh, I got yeah. seven and a half billion. Not going to happen. But but could that happen theoretically when it's just an agreement mm-hmm. without without a written contract? That could. But it's moving toward what appears to be a a a locked in done deal with the Joshua Harris group, giving him what's he going to have teams in three sports now? He's got a four hot, four. He's, he's got a Premier League team too. Oh, we count. Wow. We count. Yeah. I like that, John. You got to yeah. count the soccer. So you count. Yeah. You count that or the uh, the American football or whatever you want to call that. Crystal FC, Josh. Okay. So New Jersey Devils build up. I wonder if he's, if he's got money for a loan, man. I I wouldn't mind a few bucks. <laughs> he's, uh, he's got a couple yeah. of bucks. Now here's a question: You should know the answer to. Doesn't he own a small piece of the Steelers? 
I would guess he'd have to digest yeah, that right. if he's getting a bigger piece yeah. of the Washington football team. He's he's still, yeah, yeah. Need to David Tepper right? uh, <laughs> used to own part of the Steelers as well, had to divest when he bought the uh, Carolina yeah. Panthers. Um, you know, it was interesting. You bring up Daniel Snyder. He could be the, I mean, he could agree to do anything and change his mind. If Jeff Bezos comes in tomorrow, Rob changes his mind and says, I'll give you a six and a half billion. He'll go, hey, Josh Harris, nice knowing you. I yeah, mean, it's and, and, and I, all along, we we never got the the uh, any kind of concrete evidence that Bezos is really interested in this team. And there's some NDAs that that are involved. Like if you're going to make a bid on a team, you got to have all the available information. And then, of course, Bezos, this gets a little bit complicated with the Washington Post, with getting yeah. all that information on the team, the books, the history, and all that stuff. So um, I, I wonder how much any of that signing NDAs had to do with uh, a lack of interest in, on his That's part. a good point, because Daniel Snyder doesn't want the Washington Post getting information <laughs> on him. <laughs> not, not any more than they already got. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our buddy Will Hobson has been uh, on 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 the Daniel Snyder beat for a number of years, has done a tremendous job. Boy, locally, this is bad news for the Eagles fans. I mean, you know, he was a disaster, let's be honest, as an owner. Now yeah. you're going to have a guy who's financially well-heeled. I don't know, Josh Harris. I don't think he's been a great owner with the Sixers, but he's not been a terrible owner. He's going to be an improvement. You, you would think wh whoever steps in there is going to be an improvement. Here's where the NFL owners, though, are going to be happy. One, they get rid of what's been a, a, a nightmare, a headache, uh, a thorn in their side. But more importantly, Look at the price of all of their oh, yeah. organizations. If if the Washington Commanders are going to go for six point zero five billion, everybody's happy about that from an ownership standpoint. So really, they get a win win. And I don't think this is the end of any legal or any of those kinds of issues for Dan Snyder. He's still got to go through all that. Now I know the Mary Joe White investigation from the NFL doesn't matter anymore. It'll come out because Roger Goodell said he promised it'll come out and he'll look bad if he doesn't release uh, the contents of that report. But that'll probably likely be, I would imagine at this point, after the deal is completed, everything has gone through and oh, by the way, here's Mary Joe White's complete investigation <laughs> on yeah. Dan Snyder. And so, by the I, way, Dan will be off the south of France on his yacht. <laughs> I don't know if they have extradition from there. He's going to be fine with a $6 billion. Yeah, um, he'll, be, he'll be good. Yeah. And, yeah. oh, by the way, I love the $0.05 billion, which equates to $50 million. It's $0.05, but it's $50 million. Can I get $0.05? Can somebody just throw it my way? I could find a way to use yeah, 50 okay. million. $0.005 right now. <laughs> Rob here with his side, Bird Street 65. All right, we get to the draft. The Philadelphia Eagles with the 10th pick in the draft. Rob Marty will be getting who? Trading down. Uh, I'm a, I finished my first... Rob Motti 1.0, I guess it's called. Yeah, 1.0. Gotta do the first one out. first. Yeah, that came out. Um, probably gonna have revisions by next week's 2.0 and then another one by 3.0. But in mock in my first mock, the first trade I had was the Eagles moving out of 10, dropping to 12. And taking the edge rusher out of Georgia, Nolan Smith. Now yeah. I, I know I've seen him. I've seen 
Smith go anywhere in a top 10 and then all the way in a second round. He's all over the place, uh, Nolan Smith. But I, I, I do feel like the e- – I also then had him at number 30 trading completely out of the first round. I think Howie Roseman, um, we all know this, is a guy who loves to make a deal. Yeah. And if there's an opportunity for him to be aggressive and move up, there's a guy they want, he'll do that. If there's an opportunity to move back, accumulate more assets, and still take somebody that they think – this is a team that that's coming off a Super Bowl, and you can – you can be aggressive and you can also look towards the future. And, and I, I think there's a lot of areas that they can go. Obviously, we, we look at the Eagles and how they love to build in the trenches, offensive line depth, defensive line depth. I'd be surprised if it's a position outside of those two areas in the first round with the first pick, wherever they go, whether it's at 10, trade down or move up. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, people forget uh, as early as last year, um, how he came into that draft with three first round picks. He didn't pick any of those spots. He moved uh, at, and on all of them. So um, he is going to move up. He might move down. He's going to do something. We know that's the one thing about Howie Roseman. But Rob, what what is the likelihood that there's a splash on draft night? Right? We saw it last year with A.J. Brown, one of the picks with with Howie. Um, Lamar Jackson is OBJ mean Lamar's off the table. He's going to be in Baltimore. And then even there's these keep whispers. Everybody knows in this league, how much Kyle Shanahan likes Kirk cousins. The Vikings want to move in a different direction. It seems with a younger quarterback. Is there any chance there's a big splash on draft night that we don't see coming? Yeah, I, I, initially I thought you meant with the Eagles. I don't necessarily feel it'll be with them. Within no. the league, I, I think that there's still – well, the one splash that we know is pending that's going to happen at some point, and it's almost a foregone conclusion at this point, is Aaron Rodgers going to Jody's J-T-E-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. That's just – Hasn't yeah, been I, I kind of that we know that. <laughs> yeah, I, so yeah. Th- that that that's probably going wait, to wait, be. Wait, 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 Time out, New York. <laughs> this is the Jets we're talking about. You can't know anything. If yeah. something can go awry and it's tied to the New York Jets, oh, it's going to go awry. So I'm glad <laughs> you guys have more confidence than I do that this thing's going to get done. I have until it's done, it's not done. If we're talking about the Jets. You're not confident when Joe Douglas goes out there with boomer size and then they pour French dressing all over somebody on a stage. What the hell was that all about? Ranch dressing or whatever the hell's taking a ranch dressing. But yeah, that's how jet fans always feel. Oh man. But uh, outside of that, John, I don't think there'd be a splash involving Lamar Jackson. I I felt all along he's going to stay in Baltimore uh, going out and recruiting Odell Beckham Jr. kind of solidifies yeah. that. I think he understands. He, he realizes, one, there's nobody knocking on his door making any offers. And if so, the Ravens are going to match it more than likely uh, unless it's something insane. But it's not coming. Nobody's making that deal. People keep insisting that the Colts uh, are are interested somehow in Lamar Jackson. I reported like four or five weeks ago that they are not interested. And if they were going to change their mind, I'm telling you, it's going to take a lot of convincing of the people at the highest levels to go after Lamar Jackson. But outside of that, could there be a splash? There always is. There always seems like there's something that's going to happen. That's it. That's an interesting one. The Kyle Shanahan, uh, 
I, I've heard a little bit about that. And they, you look at the 49ers, though. In fact, I'm going to speak to Brock Purdy later this afternoon. And oh, I share this guy. Yeah. Much underrated for what he accomplished this past year. Didn't get enough credit. No, and I, I love what I spoke to him at the Super Bowl. Like, you, you you guys saw how 49ers fans and a lot of the players reacted to that game and how everything went down in the NFC Championship. Not Brock. He, he was like, you know, we lost that game, and, and we, we got to be better, this, that. And, you know, said all the right things, wasn't – but he's their guy. I feel like he's their guy, and they, they traded all those assets for Trey Lance, and they're going to try and give him a shot, and it's going to be a legitimate competition once Brock is healthy, but he's he's, he's further out. Yeah, he's got a torn AC, uh, UCL. Yeah, that, he's, he's, he, I can't imagine he'll be ready anytime no. before October. Um, yeah. So it, you're looking at a, a Trey Lance, Brock Purdy team at some point. So don't year. forget Sam Darnold, baby. Oh, don't forget man. Sam Darnold. Yeah, yeah. They're and collecting quarterbacks. I'm sure there's still some some unknown free agents out there that uh, somebody will, will give a give a, a a little bit of an opportunity to. There's there's the DeAndre Hopkins guys. Um, yeah, situation yeah. that something with DeAndre could happen on draft night. I always go into these things prepared. Like some, there's going to be a move. At some point that we go, wow, where did that come from? And it won't be anything that we've talked about. All right, Marty, I came up with this one last night. I was on CBS Sports Radio. Off the top of my head, hot take. Uh, give me the which side says no. Because somebody asked me about Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson. Between now and the draft, they come up with an agreement whereby he signs the one-year tender, the number that it is, which, oh, by the way, is a bargain at 30 and change rather than 45 or 50, which he would get if uh, there was legit bidding for him on the open market. But he gets the uh, uh, Ravens to waive any future uh, franchise tag. Comes in, plays the one year, plays with Odell. They take a run, but both sides wink and nod. No, pretty much it's over and done with. He's going free agent and you're getting no compensation for him next year. That kind of agreement, which side says no? Lamar's got to move off his I need Deshaun Watson's contract and plays for one year at undervalue, but the Ravens get him for a cheap one year, but know that that's it and it's over and done with, and maybe they can even address it in their draft this year. They take their future quarterback. Which side says no to uh, signing the tender but an agreement to not franchise him again? In that scenario, it's the Ravens who got everything to lose, not Lamar. Because Lamar essentially is playing if he sign if they don't do that deal, what you just said, Jody, Lamar would be signing that tender, playing on the one-year franchise, knowing that they can franchise him again next year, or let him go if they don't want to do or, anything. Or Lamar, who's shown the fact that he beats to a walks on the beat of a different drummer, could sit out all year. Who's who's uh, gonna be the Ravens quarterback uh, if uh, Lamar uh, sits out all year? Who's, who's leaving that much money that's, on the table? That's I mean, thirty plus, yeah, yeah, thirty plus million. I, I think the Ravens look at that as you know, we'd rather him playing and have the ability to franchise him one more time, like the Washington uh, at the time Redskins did with Kirk Cousins. So, in your scenario, I would say the Ravens would balk at that. Okay. Yeah. Um, to me, the draft starts at number three with her old buddy, Jonathan Gannon. Nobody knows. Monty Osenford, new GM there, so they don't really have a history. Um, 
they don't need a quarterback because they have Kyler Murray. Um, I would think they want to move out, Rob. Uh, if somebody's going to move up to get Anthony Richardson ahead of Indianapolis, um, who do you think that might be? Yeah, I agree with you that one, two are going to be the two quarterbacks. I'm not buying some of the uh, conversation that we're hearing that the Houston Texans aren't locked into a quarterback. I think that's nonsense. Who are they going to take outside of a quarterback? An edge rusher at number two? Franchise quarterbacks win Super Bowls, not edge rushers. So I think that's just gamesmanship. That's nonsense. I think it's Stroud, Young, Young, Stroud. I went with Stroud first. Uh, in, in my first mock draft, and, and we'll see uh, going down. But then I think at three, the Cardinals, like you said, are a team that are a trade-down candidate. If somebody wants to leapfrog uh, the Indianapolis Colts, who we know are going to be locked in on a QB, and I, I got Anthony Richardson going to that team. Uh, when I spoke to Jim Irsay, he, he wants a quarterback – like uh, he specifically singled out Jalen Hurts and called him Superman. And he said, that guy's a Superman in Philadelphia and they need somebody like a Jalen Hurts. And who's got the ability to, to be someone like that? And that's an Anthony Richardson. So now who's, who would want to leapfrog and, and get in the three? Some have the Tennessee Titans. I, I don't think so. I, I think Arizona is open to moving down. Uh, I think they'll let it be known that, hey, if you want a quarterback in this spot that we're willing to talk. But Jonathan Gannon saw the importance of having a strong defensive line in Philadelphia. He knows what it's how how beneficial it is to have a, a team that's strong in the trenches, that's got a dominant pass rush that can get 70 sacks like they had last year. They didn't get any of the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think anybody's getting 70 sacks. I'm, yeah. I'm going on record. But he, he, know, he <laughs> knows the, the importance of that. So I, th I think they, in the end, I think they stay put and they take Will Anderson at number three. And then the rest of the draft shakes out from there. I got Will Levis staying on the board, all the way to Tennessee. No trade up, nothing. He's going to be right there for them. I feel. I agree with at you. Number I think, eleven. I think he might slide a little yeah. bit, and and if he does get out of the top ten, I think the slide might even be bigger than you have it being. I mm -hmm. think he could be that guy who goes a little bit later than we all think. But then again, he could go in the top nine. I think if he falls out of the top nine, I think he might have some issues at that point. Yeah, I don't think it'd be nine because nine is the Bears and the Bears aren't taking a quarterback. So it's either got to be top eight or further down. And I know one team that would like to see him get to 10 and that's the Eagles because then they can actually use that as, yeah. hey, open for bidding, one quarterback left who wants to move up. To well, yeah, I I said top nine. You're right on the Bears because the Eagles are 10. So if four quarterbacks go in that top nine, Rob, that's great news for the Eagles because that means a, a great player is going to fall down to them. But I want to talk about trading up because mm. Howie's in a unique position. We all think he's going to trade down. I think it's far more likely he's going to trade down because he's got that big donut in the middle of the draft, no fourth, no fifth, no sixth right now. But, man. He's also bold at times. You saw the Carson Wentz draft. He went up mm -hmm. from 13 to 8 to 2. And remember the context of that. He was coming off of exile. He should have played it safe, but he said, no, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to go get, and people can 
play revisionist history, but that helped them get a Super Bowl. That's all that matters, right? Matters. You get the you get the yeah. ring, and and, and yeah. it works. So he typically, when you're the NFC champions, Rob, you're not in this position to get a difference making player. Would he consider being bold and going up to get whether it's Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, Jalen Carter, somebody like that? Maybe it's only a couple spots. You maybe got to get ahead of Chicago. Would he consider moving up? Yeah, I think he he de- definitely would consider moving up because when when you look at thirty, you're not talking about a a top fifteen, a top twenty pick. You you got the thirtieth pick, and and you can dangle that let uh, as the additional piece ten and thirty. But how far does ten and thirty get you? Right? Does ten and thirty get you from ten to? Could it get you to five with Seattle? I don't think so. I don't think it gets you. To, I certainly don't think it gets you to three with Arizona. You might have to sweeten it though. Can you do ten thirty? Um, something next, else next yeah. year's something, one. Next yeah, year's. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing next year's one. Like I'm not going to do 1030 and next year's one to go to number three for Will Anderson, only because I feel there's enough depth in this draft at defense edge rush, right? Where you can get someone who's a quality player by staying put or moving back. That's why I had him going back. You still get Nolan Smith. And I, I know some people feel he's a second rounder or he's a twenties and I got him at 12, whatever it may be, but there are other that miles Murphy. Uh, you mentioned Tyree Wilson. There's a ton of edge rushers that I, I feel that they can get. So that's why I, I look like, who are you going to target is if it's Jalen Carter, That might be the guy because he's a unique talent, an incredible talent. He's an interior lineman, but he's got those off-field issues. Would you want to trade up or hope that he falls back to you? I don't think he gets past Seattle. I think if Pete Carroll uh, can get his hands on Jalen Carter, that's a nice fit for for those guys. He's not going to be afraid of anyone with any off-the-field issues. So. Uh, if Howie wanted Carter, he's going to have to, I think, then that would be the spot. He's going to have to move up. But why, you wouldn't want to go up to number three. If you go to three, you want Anderson. If you go to five, I think it's Carter. All right, Marty Man, I'm going to ask you a specific player, specific type question on the draft, and that is B. John Robinson. Mm. Take need out of it. Take a team that needs his matchup with the – Take all the teams off the board and just have the positions in the draft. Whereas per his talent level and what the NFL has done the last couple of years with running backs, where should he be drafted? What what number in the first round should Bijan Robinson go as per Rob Motti? That's a great question. Because if you just go exactly the way you asked it, to me, he's a top 10 talent because he's a three down back. He's a guy who who he's a playmaker on offense where you got to score points in this league and you can put the ball in his hands and he can get you those points any number of ways. The unfortunate thing is for B. John Robinson is the NFL doesn't value running backs that way. They feel they can get running backs in the second round, third round as undrafted free agents. You see how they are so grossly underpaid in relation to their colleagues at other positions, at other skill positions like quarterback and wide receiver. And even they're getting paid now less than some of the tight ends. So I feel B. John Robinson is a top 10 talent if you took position, money, everything out of it. There's a guy you want to get the ball in his hands and just watch him go. See what he can do. Um, I got him sliding all the way to the Dallas Cowboys in the Ooh. first round. 
that would that, not, that would kill Eagles fans. Yeah, he, they're him. not afraid to take a, a running back yeah, in the first yeah. round. They need to take they need to replace a running back who they took in yeah. the first round in Zeke in Ezekiel Elliott. Certainly much higher than what is it twenty six they are right now. But I, I, there's no way Jerry Jones sees him on the board and passes up at twenty six. They may even feel a little uh, aggressive oh, if he's slid would, all yeah. the way to the twenties and want to move into 20, 21, 22 and try and get him. So that's where I have Robinson going based off what this NFL value system looks like right now. But top ta- talent level, Jody, he's top 10 for sure. Yeah. To tell you what's going on here, Rob, in your old stopping grounds, I considered renaming the show Bijan 365. That's how fired up Eagles fans are to get, because they always want the, the toy. There's only one stinking football. You got A.J. Brown. You got Devontae Smith. Jalen Hurts makes running backs better. But they don't want him more go, than Rick, what, do they want him more than Ricky Williams back in the day? It's not nah, if there's no campaigns, are there guys? Not not yet that I know of, but I don't delve into it. Any campaigns at WIP, Jody? Oh yeah, they're know. gonna have the sporty forty going out to Kansas City. Or oh, it could be the 40, filthy forty yeah. to follow in the dirty thirty footsteps. Oh, okay. To go out to see So yeah. there you go, Rob. Now I want to go oh, by to the way, but what 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 university did Ricky Williams go to? Texas, yeah. yeah. Where did B. John Robinson go? Yeah. Oh, Texas Longhorn. running back that the Eagle fans can lobby for. Hook them get, horns. Get Hook ready for horns. it, Marty. All right. Um, All right. Are you going out to Kansas City? You're going to oh, be there. Yeah, trip, yeah right? I'll be there. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to go up and sit with the, the Eagle fans who will be there to scream B. John's name. I may paint right. my face before, just to fit in. Before you go to Kansas City, I want to talk about your new stomping grounds, and that's Tampa. Um Obviously, they're in a rebuilding mode. Uh, another player, uh, Eagles fans want, Devin White, who wants out of Tampa Bay, makes a ton of money and wants to get paid like the top linebacker in football. You know, you got to see him up close, Rob. He, he had that run in the playoffs. I mean, that thing was historic. That's one of the uh, – this is not hyperbole. That is one of the greatest runs for a defensive player in the modern era. He was phenomenal against Drew Brees in the playoffs. Then it was Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship game. He had like 15 tackles. Mm -hmm. Then in the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes, they blew out the Chiefs. He had an interception all over the field, sideline to sideline. And it's weird. People think he's a good player. He hasn't been a good player consistently from week to week, what have you seen about Devin White? And would the Eagles dare pay an all-ball linebacker $11.7 million, never mind the $20 million he wants on an extension? Yeah, would the Eagles pay? No way. We know. I think we know the, <laughs> we know the answer to that. That That's just not, not going to happen. In, inconsistent is what I've seen, John, because I, I, I think he it was such a um, – incredible run as you said in that Super Bowl year that the expectation level now he was a top five he was a fifth pick in in the draft coming in so the expectation level for Devin White was high already and and he showed it and and it resulted in helping them win a Super Bowl uh, that season but he hasn't played up to that potential he hasn't played up to that level since and it's kind of maddening because you know he's got that ability you know he's got that talent uh, and and sometimes you, you just don't see it and there's been a lot of criticism 
uh, of his sometimes it's criticism of his lack of what or perception of lack of effort on the field and and maybe he, he'll argue that hey that there there was a lot going on in a play or I was on this side and something else happened there but to me he, he's that kind of guy where if he wants that kind of money which he clearly does and he wants to get in the 18s and the 20 million range and you haven't had a consistent performance for the last two years like uh, the GM for the Bucks, Jason Light, just said this the other day. It's, it's pretty simple. He's on the Buccaneers. We're moving forward with him. If he wants to get paid like that, go out there this season and, and prove it and, and have that year. He wants to get paid already. They want him to go out. Give me one more prove it season. I will say this. He loves to ride horses. And considering where I just came from up in the Philly area, all those <laughs> suburbs and that that area, like if he thinks that there's no horse farms or whatever, no, there there is. Yeah, I, I could talk to him about that. He'll be com- quite comfortable in in Philly. I just don't think Howie Roseman and the Eagles are going to be quite comfortable signing a paycheck like that to a linebacker. Yeah, I I think he'll work around the horses if he gets the paycheck. Not happening in Philly. All three of us agree on that one. All right, last one for me, Mighty Man. Let's jump back over to the coaches. We've done the draft. We've talked about everything. Eagles, two no new coordinators this year. One elevated from the previous coaching staff, good relationship with the current quarterback, and one brought in from outside, but knowing full well has a lot of the same beliefs as the former coordinator who was here is now the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Who's going to feel the wrath of Eagle fans more? Give me a little prediction here. You got to predict how it's going to go both on offense and defense. We know defensive fans are a little bit more outspoken. Jonathan got and got his ass kicked here for two years. Johnny and I can attest to that on our stream here on birds, three (laughs) sixty five. who's going to hear it from the cheap seats more this upcoming year, their new OC or their new DC. It's easy to say that the new DC in, in Sean Desai, right? It's easy knowing what we know about the history of Eagles fans. I, I I grew up in the Buddy Ryan era. I fell in love with football because of Buddy Ryan. And I, I think anyone who lived through that, right, has always wanted that aggressive, all out, go after them, go get them, punish the opposing team, punish the opposing quarterback. Like I, I feel for all the success that the Eagles had, and, and John, I, I know you've been a Jonathan Gannon uh, supporter, right, over over the past year or, or two. I, I think some of the 70 sacks last year, nobody, like you said, is going to get that, yet he was criticized, not aggressive enough, not doing this enough. Why? Is it because there's no body bags anymore? Yeah, is that's it, is it, it, no body bags. That's the yeah. answer, Rob. Exactly right. It's it's, it's 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 no body bags. It's no, we they brought the house, we brought the pain kind of situation. So it's easy to say Sean Desai will get that criticism. But I, I, I will caution you this. I, I, will, I will look at if there is any kind of struggle from Jalen Hurts, the offense early in the season, forget early in the season, forget game two or three. If they come out and score three points in the first half of week one, <laughs> there's going to be, if it's a home game, there's probably going to be some booze as they run into that tunnel after a three-point performance coming off. Yeah, yeah there will in be. In the Super Bowl. And then who's that fall on? Nick Sirianni's an offensive-minded head coach, so it's a combination. But you'll start hearing the talk of, oh, is Brian Johnson ready for this job? Was he uh, promoted too soon? Could he handle being an offensive coordinator? Which I, I think he can, and I think he's he's the right fit 
and, and I've been on I've been a Brian Johnson supporter since before he even came in. Uh, I thought that this is a guy who's well positioned to be a head coach at some point in the NFL. But I, I could see him taking the brunt of criticism if there's any kind of early season uh, lack of chemistry on that offense and they're having trouble putting. Yeah. You're probably right, Rob. There's going to be some hiccups, and he's going to hear some things. But ultimately, why I think Brian's got it easier, they got so much talent on offense. Yeah. It'll it'll start to shine through. They lost five starters on defense. They don't care about linebackers. They don't have safeties. Boy, I feel sorry for Sean Desai because, remember, as you mentioned, 70 sacks, not good enough. Number two ranked defense, number one ranked passing defense, not good enough. What that poor guy is up against it, man. <laughs> just, just, just roll out some of what Buddy used to do, and everybody will be happy. We don't have to win a playoff game, but they'll be happy with the <laughs> good point. Good with point. the defense, if people are getting carried off the field, and you're you're bringing in third string, uh, uh, you're bringing in running backs to be the quarterback for for opposing teams. Hey, they did that. They did that in the NFC Championship game almost. Yeah. Get get those body bag quotes. Get those house of pain quotes. Sean Deshaies, <laughs> he'll be just fine uh, if he knows how to play the crowd. Uh, Rob Marty, you play it well, my friend, and you always play it great with us when you jump in. Have a good time in Kansas City. We'll get you on after the draft uh, takes place. And, yeah, feel free to go up in the, the crowd and hang out with the uh, filthy 40 that are going to yeah. be there screaming Bijan's name for the Eagles. <laughs> I can't wait, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks, that is Rob, Rob Motti from the Associated Press. He with us on Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac coming back. You know what we got to do? Put a bow on the show. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. First Trust Bank is there for you. Seven, three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams 
deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Terry and Rob Marty, our two guests today, both did a great job for us. Yeah, that's a little uh, biased, but I did. I think they did a great job for us, and I hope you enjoyed listening to both of them. I I see that a couple teams around the league having some OTAs starting soon. Johnny Mac, uh, you got OTA duty with the Eagles this week? Uh, The Eagles can start their off-season workouts, uh, I think, Monday, April 17th. Yeah, Monday. um, that's just, you know, conditioning and all that right. kind of stuff. How formal is that going to be? Um, it's not formal. Uh, I mean, you know, guys come in, it's, it, you know, the majority of players will be in for it. Uh, right. But and, didn't the coach tell us Jalen hurts his air every single day anyway? Well, you know, Jalen. Yeah. I mean, Jalen leaves, um, at times to go like last year to go work out in, in Southern California. Um, and he'll do that mainly after I can't say after mini camp, after the final OTAs, um, he'll, he'll probably do that again. Guys go, you know, around the country to work with their sort of personal coaches. Um, but yeah, the start is just conditioning and weightlifting and all that stuff. Uh, so it's the on-field stuff doesn't start until May, uh, May something. I don't have the date in front of me, but uh, it's still a ways to go from that. Yeah, and the Eagles said they have more guys showing up at the facilities than they do because the guys who are really dedicated are already there every single day. But a couple more will come back when they start the OTAs, and uh, we'll certainly be talking about it after the draft is over and done. We've still got two weeks to get to the draft. We'll punch up a couple of more draft guys next week. Uh, I'm here next week. You're going to be in next week. You got a vacay coming? You got a wedding to go to or anything along that? No, I got silly season to deal with. We still got uh, another week before we get finally get to draft week. Draft week will get here. And at enough. some point, Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni are going to talk about the draft. Probably next week at some point. Oh, you think they'll do it next week? You think they'll wait till week up? Do you remember from no, last year? They're not going to wait till week up. It'll okay, be, so it's the it'll week be before. Week. The, okay. Yeah. All right, that should be fun. Uh, yeah, Johnny Mac and I will be back here next week. We want everybody to have a great weekend. Be back here on Birds 365 on Monday morning, which is two and two days from now. You've been listening to Birds 365. 
the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.